What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, I got to tell you about the delicious, smooth Strava Craft Coffee. And there's a great one-two punch going on at Strava Craft Coffee. If you use that magical code DNVR20, you'll save 20% off your first order of Strava Craft Coffee. And here's where the second punch comes in. Once you've used that magical code DNVR20, make sure to subscribe to Strava Craft Coffee and save 20% on every single order from there on out. And you can have the option of getting your coffee delivered straight to you every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks at that 20% off price. And Strava, of course, packs a delicious one-two punch of its own. It's not only delicious, smooth coffee, but it also has a CBD punch. And CBD helps with aches, pains, migraines, headaches, anything that's going on. The CBD helps ease, including the coffee jitters. So it is just a perfect one-two punch for you. And make sure to use that magical code DMVR20 at Strava Craft Coffee for 20% off your first purchase, first purchase, then subscribe and save 20% every single time from there on out. Strava Craft Coffee, start your day with it and it'll keep you going. All right, Mace, let's hop into the show. Welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast on this terrific Tuesday. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my man, Andrew Mason. And before we hop into the show, got to tell you about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. Guys, we are almost one month away from the spring st semester starting at MSU Denver Online. And now is the time to apply and register for those classes. I mean, it is wild. Christmas is almost here. That means the spring semester is almost here. And boy, is this the perfect time to get an education online. When everything's gone online anyways, MSU Denver Online has already mastered the art of online learning. And time and time again, the one thing that will protect you against economic downturn is an education allowing you to adapt into varying careers. And you can build that toolbox at MSU Denver Online. So make sure to check them out. That's MSU Denver Online. My boy, Mace, what's going on, my friend? Oh, it's uh, a beautiful day, albeit a snowy day. I was thinking about you uh, last night because your Cleveland Browns played in what was probably the best game of this odd NFL season and came up short. Yeah. No D, no D in Cleveland. What happened? <laughs> Holy cow. I mean, what a game. And of course, for those uh, that had some money on the game, it was uh, a potential heartbreaker or a money maker at the end because the line was Baltimore by three. And then, of course, the two points at the very end ruins it all. Oh, man. I, I, could not I, I couldn't believe that. The, the interesting thing was everyone wants to be Al Michaels now because everybody calling the game understood the significance of that safety on, what, on probably 
tens of millions of dollars, if not hundreds of millions of dollars around the country exchanging hands because they, you know, you know, kept throwing it back and back and back and back. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. That was insane. And when they showed Browns fans despondent around first energy stadium, I thought those people, they're not just unhappy because the Browns lost yet another Monday night football game to the Ravens. They had money on their team too. They got the du- they got the double gut bunk punch there in about a in about a five minute span. Oh my goodness! What yeah, an ugly I mean, end for Cleveland. Seriously, and what a game! Like you said, probably the game of the season so far. What an excellent primetime game. I mean, you had the drama of Lamar coming out of the locker room after doing whatever he was doing, uh, leading that that game-winning drive. And then the Browns respond really quick. And then you have Lamar respond again. I mean, what a game. Man, I hope we get one of those on Saturday with the Broncos and Bills. I mean, there's a potential for it. You got the 10-3 and three Bills, Josh Allen, Drew Locke slinging it around. That would be a blast. It would be a blast. And I think there's some potential for it. We'll get into it uh, later on this week. There's potential for it because you've, you've got the Bills coming off of a high. There, this is a classic letdown scenario that's setting up for the Bills. After beating the Steelers, uh, getting within one game of the second seed, they are, they're kind of primed here for a little bit of a step back. They play New England the week after that. And yes, New England isn't great, but that's still a game the Bills get up for because the Patriots have driven them so crazy over the years. So in between Pittsburgh and the Patriots, this is a donut game potentially for Buffalo that the Broncos could capitalize on. Yeah, and boy, would that be quite a win for the Broncos. Because, of course, you know, you still have a lot of skeptical people saying, ah, it was just the 4-8 and eight Carolina Panthers with people on the COVID list and without Christian McCaffrey. And, yeah, all of that is true. But, man, if you back it up and if Drew Locke backs it up against a win against a good Buffalo Bills team, whew, that would be something. And Mace, the Broncos maybe going to have some changes on their offensive line from Sunday to Saturday. Yesterday, we find out from Vic Fangio that Elijah Wilkinson is probably going to stay at right tackle. Of course, he started his first game at right tackle in a long time this past Saturday, just getting ahead of DeMar Dotson uh, on the depth chart. And we found out also that Graham Glasgow may be back at practice, is expected to be back at practice on Wednesday. And of course, Garrett Bowles and Noah Fant did get home yesterday after having to stay the night in Charlotte due to uh, potential COVID concerns, they are optimistic that both of those guys will be able to play. So, I mean, and with only six days until a game, there could be a lot of movement along the offensive line. Yeah, there could. And the, the thing is, let's start with Graham Glasgow, who could be back this week. Glasgow, you want him back, obviously, but Natani Muti's performance, even though it, it was a little bit inconsistent in pass protection, Pro Football Focus gave him credit for three total pressures allowed in 33 pass protection plays. So one pressure per 11 snaps gave him credit for a sack allowed, another hit, and a quarterback hurry. But at the same time, he was an absolute road grader in run blocking. Natani Muti looked as advertised when he got upfield and, and was actually a, able to, to do things in space. It was, ter- was terrific uh, in the screen game at times. And so 
Mooty gave you confidence that you could put him back out there. You'd like to see him do a bit better in pass pro, but gave you confidence that you could put him out there and that he could deliver a good acquittal for himself. And the thing is, Graham Glasgow is going to be on this team next year because of his contract. So, so it's not like so it's not like Mooty is going to be a potential starter next year. But Zach, the thing I, I ask of you is this: the Broncos basically they're out of the race and they're they're not going to the playoffs. Player development is probably the most important thing, maybe even more important than getting a win than getting a win here. So in that case, shouldn't the Broncos say, you know, we know who Graham Glasgow is and we know he's going to be our starter next year, but let's maybe give Natani Muti one more game if Glasgow is not 100%? Especially this week, Mace, you hit it. You don't have to decide for the rest of the season this week, but for another game, make sure Graham Glasgow is 100% before you put him out there. And that's exactly how you frame it to him. That's how you frame it to us. And that's how, that's how you frame it. And you get Natani Muti some more snaps. See if he can stay healthy. See if he can build a good chemistry with Lloyd Cushenberry. See if he can, uh, you know, build, build the communication a little better on the offensive line so miscommunications don't happen. Because I loved what I saw from him. I mean, it definitely gives you hope that he can live up to that first, second round type of talent that he was before all of those injuries. And Mace... You can do this because you already made that decision. You already made the mm. we are in evaluation mode decision when you decided to start Elijah Wilkinson ahead of DeMar Dotson. DeMar Dotson has done everything that you've asked from him this year. He has been fantastic. And for the value you got him, he was a fantastic signing, did everything you asked of him. And you bench him for Elijah Wilkinson, who – maybe has a potentially longer future here, but certainly he's had way more shaky play at right tackle and on the offensive line the past couple of years than DeMar Dotson. So you're saying with that move right there that you're in the evaluation standpoint. So for me, I'm saying do the exact same thing with Muti, at least for one more game. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And basically with Wilkinson, I think, you're evaluating whether he can be a swing backup because even though he's almost certainly not going to start next year because you have Jawan James coming back, you you know you can't rely on Jawan James to stay healthy. So you need to make sure you're backstop at right tackle. And I think maybe Wilkinson is actually playing here to give the Broncos more data to decide, okay, do we want our backstop right tackle to be Wilkinson or do we want it to be Dotson we've seen a lot from Dotson we know who and what he is we know he's much stronger in pass pro than he is in run blocking he just can't get the bend the the way that he used to uh, earlier in his career but he can still fade back and he can still handle pass pro work so you know what he is you find out what Elijah Wilkinson is what is interesting Zach is this was Wilkinson's fourth start of the year now, he did play some snaps against New Orleans because the Broncos weren't passing the ball. They were just almost exclusively running that game, and so they, they wanted him out there for run-blocking purposes. But, Zach, this was the first game that he – the first full game that he played since uh, – I believe it was last year in weeks – in week, well, he didn't play very long in week 16. So I believe it was the first full game that he had played since the Chargers home game last year in which he did not allow a pressure as credited by Pro Football Focus. Wow. Wow. And there you go. I mean, mm. uh, DeMar Dotson is 
the has has proven to be the better option there but they want to get a read on elijah wilkinson mm-hmm. and, I, and i understand that like i tweeted before the game you know the broncos are not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs but pretty much don't have their eyes on the playoffs this year they have their eyes on the future and so once you get to this point you do have to enter into the evaluation stage some teams don't and the Broncos haven't in the past. And you're really shooting yourself in the foot because when you go back to evaluate your team in January and February after the season, you probably say, man, we shouldn't have gone for the win. We should have gone for evaluating. And, of course, mm-hmm. then you also try to win the games when you're evaluating. But I like that the Broncos got to this point and they're doing that. And you saw it on the defensive side, too. Derek Tuska brought up. Um, and, and, and you have Anthony Ciccolo, who you don't really need more information on. You kind of know what he is. He was uh, inactive. So I, I like that the Broncos are doing this, but it brings the question up, Mace. Mm-hmm. Is this the best thing for Drew Locke's evaluation? Should you be putting the best offensive line out there for Drew Locke these final three and four games in order to give him the best chance to succeed, to see what type of player he is? Or is it better to give him, you know, a shaky offensive line potentially? Well, one thing that we're not talking about is not playing Garrett Bowles if he's healthy. And that's the key thing. You, you're, you're thinking in terms of playing guys that you either want to find out more about or that you know are in your long-term plans. I mean, Garrett Bowles, by signing that contract, he's a long-term guy. He's, another, he, he's got another four years here. So – you're, you're balancing that a little bit. And at least with, with Wilkinson, you are talking about somebody who has some substantial starting experience under his belt. So it's not like you're throwing him out there. The question would be Muti over Graham Glasgow. That's, that's the one thing you might ask yourself and say, and say, okay, if we're focused on protecting Drew Locke, let's make sure we got Glasgow up and ready if he's available. The, the thing is, though, that Glasgow – clearly is in this pattern of, uh, of, you know, of working his way back and then having injuries strike again. He's at a point where the injuries are lingering. So if you put him back out there, is he just going to get hurt again? So that's the one that's sort of in the hazy thing. Another spot that I would mention, though, Zach, as far as if you want playing a young guy, and I don't think this would appreciably hurt you, why wouldn't you play Troy Fumagalli more? You're going to get Nick Noah Fant back from, uh, from the food poisoning and what he had over the weekend. Why wouldn't you play Troy Fumagalli? Because I think Fumagalli could do a lot of the things that Nick Vanette does. And Nick Vanette, if you let him go, you'd have 875 k of dead money, but you'd save $2.7 million. And if you're in a situation where you're counting pennies and you're trying to make room everywhere you can, this is once – like, for example, cutting Nick Vanette would get you almost all the way there to bringing back Alexander Johnson, Tim Patrick, or Philip Lindsay on the – RFA second round tender, which is going to be a little north of $3 million. Yeah, then, then absolutely get, get a look at him. And of course, Fumagalli got a good look on Sunday against the Panthers, mm-hmm. but it's because you didn't have no offense. So Broncos probably aren't going to be running much three tight end sets, although I do expect to see a, a lot of two tight end sets. And those tight ends, man, we need to see them be used just how they were on Sunday. And that is just all the time. And imagine if one of those tight ends is Noah Fant. Man, that is very, very exciting. I'm sure Noah is so bummed that he had food poisoning uh, and, and wasn't able to play that whole game just because of the opportunity that was out there for him. But absolutely right. Get, get uh, Troy Fumagalli. Who, who are, who are other, are, is there anyone else on the offensive line? 
Uh, you know, you, you know what you have in Schlotman. That's why the Broncos were okay right. with starting Natani Muti over him. So that, that's probably it in terms of an evaluation standpoint. You obviously keep Graham or uh, Dalton Reisner at left guard. Garrett Bowles, if he's healthy, uh, stays over there uh, as well. Well, maybe you give some reps to Calvin Anderson. Maybe what you and maybe what we're talking about here is perhaps not a full start, a full start, a full start of work for some of these guys, but working their way into the rotation. You know, maybe you're saying Calvin Anderson's going to get a couple of series in this game. Maybe Natani Muti's going to get a couple of series if Graham Grasco is healthy. This, these are the types of things you're thinking about. It's not like uh, it's something that teams don't do. I mean, certainly the Patriots are historically are an example of a team that will shuffle its offensive line. Even the 2015 Broncos were doing a shuffle over uh, at the left tackle spot uh, between Ryan Harris and Tyler Columbus. So you can pull, you can pull this off if you really plan it and have a little bit of, of creativity with how you use your guys. You can – strike that balance of playing most of the game with your top guys, but getting some of those backups, some, some run. And I think with Calvin Anderson, it would be interesting to see him get say one series at left tackle. And yes, I know that means relieving Garrett Bowles and one series at right tackle because he's part of the decision with DeMar Dotson and Elijah Wilkinson as well, because what if you find out that Calvin Anderson can be your swing tackle? He started at right tackle. He started at left tackle this year. That's an, that, and that's another movie because Elijah Wilkinson, to bring him back on a second contract, you're probably talking about $2.5 million. I think yeah. he's not in the, cat, in the class of Billy Turner. I'm not sure anybody's going to regard Wilkinson as a starter. So I don't think he's going to get a contract like Turner got when he went to the Packers. But – Two and a half, three million dollars for a swing tackle is pretty reasonable. But can Calvin Anderson deliver swing tackle work at a fraction of the cost? And that's why I think you want to get him some reps if you can as well. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right, Mace. He's a great person to point out in this. And and he should uh, absolutely get played because he's a guy that can save you money in a season that you really need to save money. And hey, I really liked what I saw from him at left tackle. I, I liked it more than what I saw from him right tackle right tackle when he had to play against the Raiders, but also that was his first game. So I do give him a break there. Um, but what, what, so what, what do you do? Because I'm probably not taking Garrett Bowles out, especially for Drew Locke's development. You just don't want right. Drew having to worry about the left side. So do you alternate games down the stretch? Does Elijah Wilkinson get right tackle this week? Then Calvin Anderson next week, then Elijah again, uh, or do you rotate series? Do you rotate halves? Uh, I'm, I'm a little skeptical of the rotating part, but boy, uh, there's more of an unknown with Calvin Anderson, Mason, than there is with Elijah Wilkinson. I personally feel comfortable about what I know about Elijah Wilkinson. I have no idea what I have in Calvin Anderson. Now, is he going to be the right tackle of the future and you're signing him up to a big contract after this year? Certainly not. But what if he can be your next Elijah Wilkinson and a guy that can be your swing tackle on the cheap? And, and spot start for you. And then maybe you have hope that he can turn into something more down the line. Yeah. No, we're all going to be quiet. Right. But <laughs> he, uh, he made a better acquittal of himself. I thought than he did uh, in his first start when he really got kind of th got thrown in there, tossed into the fire uh, against the Raiders. 
and it stands to be expected that he would be a lot more settled in his second start. But here he is. He's had a start at left tackle. He's had a start at right tackle. Kind of like Natani Moody did some really good work in the screen game on Sunday. I mean, I think uh, that's one of the things that really makes you excited. The screen game, uh, some of the outside runs. He was put, he, he was pulling. He was he was doing things in space that you like to see. So I mean, I, I was in, I was actually encouraged by the quality of depth and boy and you know think about the Atlanta game when they decided to put poor Jake Rogers back out there and Rogers yeah I know he got a game ball last year I get it but he was a disaster when he played extensively last year he was a disaster again I have a lot more confidence in these younger guys that we've seen so give them some reps here and there find out I agree with you Zach I think you hit the nail on the head with Wilkinson we have seen enough, but the Broncos, I don't think they feel like they've seen enough. Yeah, for some reason. I feel like they, they feel like that every single year for the past three years since Elijah's been around. Mm-hmm. And, 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 I, and I like Elijah as, as a guy and also uh, as more of a swing guard. I think that's, mm-hmm. where, that's where he's best suited. Um, and so I just feel like I know what he is as a tackle. I mean, Mace, you almost you got a full season of him. Mm-hmm last year to evaluate him so that that's just why you know you have two games of calvin anderson let's see more so mace what is your starting offensive line this week and what do you think the broncos offensive starting line will be okay i think the starting offensive line will be from left to right garrett bowles dalton reisner lloyd cushionberry graham glasgow and elijah wilkinson me too that's what i think it'll be yeah now I would say if everybody's health, if everyone were healthy, I would take out Wilkinson and put in Dotson. But then, I, but I would relieve him liberally with Calvin Anderson. Okay. And I would spell Glasgow for two or three series uh, with Natani Muti. Now, one thing that's interesting, Zach, and I, as I was watching Muti on Sunday, I was thinking about this. Muti has some tackle in his background, but, clear, but clearly the Broncos are focused on him as an interior guy at guard. So if he continues to show flashes, do you kind of – is there maybe a thing where you're seeing the plan is, okay, he is the swing interior backup next year and not Austin Schlopman. Again, you've seen enough of him to this point to have an evaluation. And the plan is – that maybe they they part ways with Glasgow in 2022, get some cap savings. It's not great. If they cut him in 2022, the cap savings and the dead money are the same. But next year would actually cost you money to cut Glasgow. That's why Glasgow is coming back. Let's just nip that little notion in the bud. But when you're making a long-term plan, are you thinking, hmm, maybe we can hand a a baton we can hand a baton to Muti in a couple of years here if he ends up flashing yeah absolutely and Macy said you know do, do you potentially think about him outside well that's the great thing about paying Mike Munchak all the money yeah. that you do what he should what he needs to decide this offseason is who is better fitted to try outside is it Muti is it Dalton Reisner is it neither because if it's neither don't force a square peg into a round hole with either of those guys. But if Mike Munchak says, holy cow, I think we have something at right tackle potentially in 2022 with Natani Muti, then you, you practice him there this offseason. If he says that same thing with Dalton Reisner, then you practice them, him there this offseason. 
So who are you starting and who do you think the Broncos will start? Well, I agree with you about who the Broncos will start. I think it'll be uh, be very clear and obvious. Just take the kind of boring route there. Uh, hmm. And I am starting Garrett Bowles, okay. Dalton Reisner, okay. Lloyd Cushenberry, okay. Natani Muti. Woo. I don't care. I don't care if Graham Glasgow's is 100% because that's just – it's not going to happen. So you're going to be able to use that. It's the perfect yeah. excuse there. And honestly, you can just say that for the rest of the season. You can say, Graham – Look, we're, we're just in evaluation right now. You can just tell them the truth. We need to see if Natani Muti can be our backup swing guard next year. Look, you will be back because we will have to lose $5 million <laughs> in cap space if we cut you. So uh, just hang out. Thanks for everything you've done this year and get fully healthy. Uh, and then at right tackle, I'm going Calvin Anderson. Man, and, and the reason – and Calvin Anderson with DeMar Dotson right there if you need him. Because if Calvin Anderson really struggles and it's impacting Drew Locke, well, you say, sorry, Drew, here's DeMar Dotson, your best option. We'll, we'll give him back to you. Uh, but, Mace, we're in full evaluation mode. Me, personally, I know what Elijah Wilkinson is. We know what DeMar Dotson is, and that's a, a guy that I'm signing up next year to be my backup swing tackle because I really like him. Uh, but Calvin Anderson, what if – He's the next Mike Munchak project. What if he's uh, the guy? What if he's the next Garrett Bowles? Obviously on a very, very, very different scale. And he just shuts down the right side of the offensive line after Juwan James leaves after next year. And it has us all quiet. Oh, yeah. That would be brilliant. He, uh, by the way, um, I noticed after the game, he was looking for his name on social media. Because I didn't use his Twitter handle, but I complimented his work, uh, his work on a on a screen pass, and then I look. I'm sitting there on Sunday night. I'm having dinner, and I see Calvin Anderson like this. (laughs) 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 I always think that's interesting because if I don't put their Twitter handle in, I know that they intentionally searched out their name. Yeah, on Twitter, <laughs> looking for positive, looking for positive and or negative mentions. Yep, yep. It it is really funny, man. I'll tell you oh. what. I would. Uh, I personally would not be searching out my name, but uh, uh, he, oh, he's pretty active. He's got a great uh, personality there on Twitter. But uh, man, what a what a great conversation, Mace. Yeah. And it's that may be honestly <laughs> the storyline to follow is what the Broncos do at offensive line this week because also now at four and eight Mace, obviously Broncos were still mathematically in the playoffs, um, but certainly seemed like evaluation was starting Yeah, this week inside the building. Do they say, huh, five and eight Raiders are playing really bad. We just need to take care of our business. And you know, there's still a very, very slim shot, but do they start playing for maybe to win games instead of evaluation, at least this week? Well, the thing is that butts against the reality of uh, of the playoff of the playoff picture. And by the way, even that kind of hail mary, it was hurt significantly last night when the when the Ravens came back to beat the Browns. Of course, that being said, the Ravens close with the Jaguars, Giants, and Bengals. So the Baltimore Ravens are almost certainly going to end up with ten, if not eleven wins. Cleveland is sitting there at nine and four. They have the the Jets in week sixteen, and you know, and, and at nine wins, they're they're out of reach anyway. And then with the Ra- with the Raiders and the uh, Miami Dolphins, 
The Raiders get the Chargers on Thursday. And then the Raiders sit there with Miami in week 16. Miami has games against the Patriots and Bills bracketing that trip to, the, to, the, to Las Vegas. So I know what you're saying, Zach. <laughs> but, I mean, we're talking about a one in a million shot. Yeah. And yes. If you're a Dumb and Dumber fan, I'm sure you're saying the line in your head. So you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, yeah, but that's not something you're gambling on. I think evaluation, data collection, this is, this is what you, you need. And, yeah, it starts with it Drew Locke, but it includes the offensive line. It includes the cornerback core. Now that evaluation has been thrust upon you because of injuries. And now no Duke Dawson, no Kevin Tolliver. Man, I really feel awful for these guys. Because here's their shot. And then, poof, torn ACLs for both. So, I mean, it really really comes down to uh, Michael Ojemudia and Devontae Bosby, I think, uh, as the guys that you're you're getting a look at. Of course, they did did make a claim yesterday uh, off off of the – was it the 49ers uh, practice squad? Yes, exactly. An undrafted guy out of Oklahoma. Yeah, somebody that I did, a guy that I did see down at the at the at the Shrine game last year, and he and he flashed when he, and he flashed when he was down down there. So there's something there. There's something that that clearly they, that they like that, that that they like about. Um, sorry, is it uh, Pernell Motley? I believe. Yes. Yeah, Pernell. Yes, Parnell. Exactly. I said my my bad. Parnell, not Pernell. I'm sorry. So. He he flashed a little bit down there. I actually went back last night and watched some of the uh, all twenty-two that I had from the Shrine game. So I'd like to see what he does. I'd like to see them them work work him in. They may have no choice, but primarily it's going to be about OJ Mudia and Devontae Bosby. Even though you and I have seen enough of Bosby to know that you want him in your plans. For some reason, the Broncos kept deciding they didn't want him in his plans. But uh, you know what? He just he he just he just keeps keeps at it. He's so freaking persistent. He's he's, he's like, a he's a good football player. And yes. For some reason, you know, there's obviously other factors that keep him off the field and and make the Broncos skeptical. But at the end of the day, he's a good football player. It's really really funny. Now that being said, I think as I went back and I was rewatching the game last night. What Carolina did in the second half to the Broncos in terms of in terms of, of coverage, I think we're going to see Buffalo probably feast a little bit earlier. I will I will say I am I am kind of concerned about the the secondary against those Bills receivers. I think it took it took Carolina a while a, a while longer to get going, but uh, once they did get they did get going, they fe- they found some consistency. Like uh, OJ Mudia, he uh, he allowed a 108.3 passer rating when he was targeted according to Pro Football Focus. Devontae Bosby only 74.1. So, I think there were some promising things for OJ Mudia and to his credit, OJ Mudia uh, has appeared to get past the, uh, the missed tackle issues that he had earlier this season. He didn't have a missed tackle in the game. So that's a positive, but I do think Buffalo is probably going to pick at the Broncos cornerbacks earlier than Carolina did. Carolina figured it out, but it was too late by that point. I think Buffalo is going to try to jump on it from the get go. And that, 
for all that we're talking about, may make this game on Saturday have a completely different complexion. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, Mace. I mean, you got Stephon Diggs, who leads the NFL in receptions, third in receiving yards. He's just so good. Yeah. And you also have Cole Beasley, who just turned into what you know maybe the best second receiver in the NFL right now. Uh, and of course, Josh Allen, who's playing at almost an MVP type of level. Pretty pretty incredible there. And Mace, I just looked it up. Our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook have the Broncos playoff uh, or championship odds at plus 100,000. Wow. Meaning if you were to bet $1 on the Broncos to win the Super Bowl and they were to win, you'd win 1,000. If you bet $10, you would win 10,000. If you'd bet $100, you would win $100,000. So you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> well, that's better than one in a million, I guess, but not much better. I mean, <laughs> right, 10% wow, better. that's... <laughs> Oh man. And that's, that's what you're getting from a sports book. So yeah, realistically it's, it's not happening. I actually, the funny thing is I tweet, I had a tweet Sunday about where I tweet out my story link and in the tweet, I wrote that there are no trophies coming from the Broncos this year. And uh, Patrick Smythe, the uh, VP of PR for the Broncos, retweeted. So I thought, yeah, that's a tacit acknowledgement internally. They're not, they're not going anywhere <laughs> this year. <laughs> if the, an official account for the Broncos is retweeting that they're not getting any trophies this season. They know the reality of it. And, that's, and I think uh, – that's something that kind of auto illuminate what they do. And I think it is illuminating what Vic Fangio does. I don't think that there is an, I mean, we joke about it. I don't think they in any way are clinging to any hope, any of the one in a million hope. They know, they know what this season is. They know what this is about. And, uh, and we'll see if we, if we go, if they can, they can go out there and do something. I'll tell you what, what we talked about with the bills, maybe exporting the Broncos on the back end. We'll get into this one into a future pod. I'm sure. This, I think, creates a really interesting situation for Drew Locke in the offense because here's a game where after relying on short intermediate stuff to get comfortable, getting the run game going, and then striking deep after tenderizing the Panthers with those jabs, here's a game where you may have to come out with some more of those deep ball haymakers against a Bills defense that was maligned for much of the year but is playing its best ball right now. Yeah, yeah, really good point. I, I can't wait to dive into this game because it's a fun one. You have, you have so many storylines, including Josh Allen and Drew Locke. And Mace, speaking of our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook, got to tell you about these guys because not only can you get in on the 100,000 odds for the Broncos to win the Super Bowl this year, but basketball is right around the corner in DraftKings Sportsbook. America's top-rated sportsbook app is here to kick off the 2021 basketball season with a no-brainer for all customers, new and existing. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. To celebrate the return of basketball, DraftKings is giving you a 75-point spread on the team of your choice on opening night. That's right. All you have to do is bet on any opening night game. And if your team doesn't lose by more than 75 points, you will double your money. That's Mace's magic number. And I got to uh-huh. think this one is going to cash. This Saturday, there will be endless amounts of action to get, get in on, including the Broncos and Bills. DraftKings is a safe, secure, reliable, making it easy for you to deposit and you withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code DNVR when you sign up to get a 75-point spread 
on opening night for a shot to double your money. Let's go DNVR to get a shot at doubling your money on opening night. For a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Tell you what, you've got some good team futures over at DraftKings. Maybe you want to get in on that 20-to-1 Nuggets number to win the NBA title this year. That's where they're sitting, 20 to 1 right now. That puts them behind the Lakers, Clippers, Bucks, Nets, Celtics, Heat, and the Toronto Raptors, who, by the way, are going to be playing every game away from home for the foreseeable future. They're calling Tampa and the Amelie Arena down there. They're calling that their home for the 2020-2021 season. So watch out for that. Man, that's interesting. Yeah, the, the, may, maybe Tampa's, uh, Tampa's trying to do what Oklahoma City did, I think. When they hosted the Hornets in a time of need and they set themselves up to get an expansion thing. I think there are people in Tampa, even though you got Orlando and the Magic just a little bit down the, down the road up I-4, they're dreaming of, hey, maybe the NBA will look kindly on us, even though I would say they're probably in line behind Seattle at this point. I think Seattle has to get the next NBA team, right? I would think so, certainly. You'd think so. But, hey, the NBA in Tampa would be pretty awesome, and you'd have a great I-4 rivalry between Orlando and Tampa Bay. I'm dreaming a little bit here, and sometimes <laughs> uh, when I want to come down from that dream and get back to reality and relax, I'll have a little bit of Breckenridge Brew. Breckenridge Brewery, of course, is the official beer of DNVR. And you know what? They're not just about beer. If, you know, if they're, you're the Denver area, you know about the farmhouse, the restaurant they've got at their brewery down in Littleton, if you order your meal and beer from the farmhouse, use that magical code DMVR. Save $5 off your meal. Call 303-803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. to pick up. They'll bring your to-go order out to your car for you, and you can order some of those Breckenridge brews as well. Of course, over at the farmhouse, they have the full array of Breckenridge brews. Don't forget about that 15-can sample. You can find it throughout Colorado and in points beyond. And also see if you can order it through Drizzly. And wherever you are in the country, check out that Breck Beer locator and see, and see where you can get some of that Avalanche beer, Colorado Core, Strawberry Sky, and, of course, that Christmas Ale. You know, another, another road trip was in Carolina this past weekend, and what to my wondering eye should appear but Christmas Ale. And I enjoyed a little bit on Saturday night as I was watching some of those college football games and waiting in my hotel room, waiting all Saturday for Sunday afternoon instead of waiting all day for Sunday night. So check out Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of the NVR. And don't forget to check out that Breck Beer Locator to find out where you can find those Breck Brews wherever you are in the United States. All right, mates, let's hop into the comment section and talk to the people. And for those new listeners, here's how you get into the comment section and have your comments read on the pod. Go to thednvr.com, go to the podcast tab at the top, scroll to the Broncos podcast, and then the Broncos, all of our Broncos podcasts will pop up. Go to the top one at the top of your page, click on it, and then scroll down and a comment section will appear. And if you're a member of our family and you subscribe with us, then you will have the ability to leave comments on here. So we'd love hearing from you. If you're a new member, make sure to go down, leave us a comment, drop by, and say hi. First one, Mace, coming in from Casper. Fellas, there are certain things that franchise quarterbacks all have. For me, there's one big one that I haven't seen from Drew. He needs to be able to go out and put up a good performance when his swag isn't there. If you want to be the guy a team builds around, you have to, much like in a long-term marriage, be able to perform when you just aren't in the mood. If I can see that mixed with meeting expectations in a consistent basis, we'll most likely be set at QB. How say you? Wow. Fun comment there. 
it's a fun comment, but I think it's accurate. And I think one of the ways in, in which it reflects is kind of is just kind of breaking down where he stands in terms of uh, in terms of passer rating because he has 14 full games basically at this point. We're going to toss the Pittsburgh one out. And Zach, in terms of passer rating, two of those are in the top third of all starts with at least 20 attempts over the past two seasons. And so there's about 933 of these games. And the game Sunday and the game last year against Houston, they're not only in the top third, but they're both in the top 50 in terms of quarterback starts. So pretty high. Then you go, you go to the next tier, kind of the, the, middle, the middle third of it. He has five of those games. Uh, he has five of those games in the middle third. And that the problem is that means he's sitting there with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of his starts to date in terms of passer rating in the bottom third of all starts in the NFL. And that's the thing. It's not we've seen what the ceiling can be. He's got to raise his floor. And he's got to keep that floor higher on a consistent basis because he's having too many bottom tier performances. And that's why, even though there's a lot of glow from this week, you got to exercise caution because he's got to cut out uh, the rate at which he has those bottom third type performances. And by the way, in term, in, in terms of passer rating, that includes two recent games, the Miami game and the Kansas city chiefs game. Those are bottom third games over the last two years in terms of uh, in terms of pass rating i'm going to also uh, working on getting all the qbrs and getting all the uh, pro football focus ratings and all the the game epas because i want to do something extensive on this but this is something that kind of it's troublesome with drew lock is that his he's at the his floor needs to be raised he's scraping the floor too often and having too many of those bottom tier type of starts that will sink you Yeah, the consistency needs to be there for Drew. And that's why these last three games are going to be huge. And seeing that consistency, did he learn from from Sunday against the Panthers and what everyone's been preaching at him? Did he learn from that? Or was that an anomaly, you know? And if he can show over the next three games that he goes out and throws two touchdowns, no interceptions, one touchdown, no pick, three touchdowns, one interception – per game over these next three games and he's thrown for 67% completion, then we'll say, okay, maybe he did learn. He, he really did learn. But what you really don't want to see is, yeah, one mediocre game and then two bad games in there, like, like you're saying, Mace. Yeah, and actually, when, we're ta- when you were talking about that, I just had the thought that maybe it sort of goes back to how I'm still in the very much in the realm of saying at least you need some kind of hedge. Maybe you need a relief picture. Those days where Drew is off and you know it. Yeah, you tap him on the shoulder and say, yeah, "Good game." Now we're gonna get this. We're gonna get this one done for you. You'll be back in the rotation next time. Maybe that's something you have to think about. Oh, holy cow! I hope not, because I, man, if you were to give me that situation for any other team in the league, I would say that's not the guy you want at quarterback. So, oh. I mean, I, I understand your point, though. I, I totally see it. It takes a little unconventional thinking. Yeah. The problem is the Broncos in terms of football, aren't known for unconventional thinking. No. <laughs> so, anyway. Jason 17 happy Tuesday, everyone. A couple of things to start out with. Is Prince Amukamara still a free agent? It seems like he'd be a good guy to bring in, given his familiarity with Fangio's Fangio system and our recent injuries at cornerback. Now that we have seen the season, who, for the most part, who are you taking? Henry Ruggs or KJ Hamler? Hope you all are staying positive and testing negative. 
Oh, yeah, that's a that's a very good point. Well, first, with Prince, man, you guys have such an infatuation with Prince Amukamara, and I, I love it. I love it, and I understand it, but the Broncos don't. They've had about 17 million minutes to sign this guy this offseason, and they have passed up on every single one of them. Uh, right now, he's with the Arizona Cardinals. I'm not sure if he's on the practice squad uh, or or not. Uh, I believe he actually is on the practice squad. So if the Broncos wanted him, they could sign him. Another reason why the Broncos aren't going to sign him is because they had the opportunity, but instead they went to the San Francisco 49ers practice squad to grab a guy. And honestly, Mace, we say that we're in the evaluation standpoint. So the the guy they got from the 49ers is a rookie. Prince of Mukamara, you know what you have. He's uh, He's 31 years old. You know what you have with him. You don't need an evaluation on him. So I think it's honestly smart for the Broncos to go – uh, and, and get uh, a young guy to see if he can develop into anything. I agree. I mean, this is all about the future. If somebody can't be a part of the future, why are they out there right now? And clearly the Broncos and Vic Fangio didn't want a Mukamara. Yeah. Weren't, yeah. weren't that into Mukamara. If they, if they were, they would have signed him back in the spring. Yep, <laughs> exactly. But Jason, I'm, I'm just messing with you, man. I, 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 I think it's a great person to point out if the Broncos were competing. Next now, oh. what about the Hamler-Ruggs thing? This is ah. interesting. So let's just talk – let's just give you the raw numbers here. K.J. Hamler, he's played in 11 games so far this season. 29 receptions, 377 yards, 13 yards per catch, three touchdowns. Henry Ruggs so far this season, 11 games played, 23 receptions, 414 yards, 18 yards per reception, two touchdowns. So Ruggs, fewer touchdowns, better yards per catch. They played in the same number of games, so if you're kind of concerned about the injury thing, well, they've both each missed two games. So they're pretty even on that. Hamler more receptions. Hamler more touchdowns. What say you? Mm, it's a really good comparison and point. And I think a fair question at this point, because also I imagine Henry Ruggs has been on the field for more time than KJ Hamler has over the entire season, but the Raiders will stick with their pick and they're going to stick with Henry Ruggs because of that 18 yards per reception. That is just incredible. Um, And for me, I mean, it is such a toss up. Here's the argument for KJ Hamler is that he can be more of a complete receiver than just a deep threat in Henry Ruggs. But the Raiders, when we talked to John Gruden a couple of weeks ago, he said it's exactly why we got Henry Ruggs. Not only is he a deep threat, but he forces teams to protect him. And it forces teams to take a safety over the top and keep him up there. So he's doing his job effectively, even though it's not there uh, in the stats. Yeah, and I think one guy who's benefiting directly from from Henry Ruggs is Nelson Aguilar, who went over the – went. Well, not over, but at 100 yards on Sunday against the Colts. Raiders put up 27 points. Uh, Aguilar, 20 yards a catch. You know, the last couple of weeks, offense hasn't been the problem for the Raiders. They've, they've put up 58 points in the last two games against the Jets and the Colts. Problem is they just can't, they just can't stop anybody right now. I, I don't think Henry Ruggs is a problem. I think it, when it comes down to it, you're, you're still taking Henry Ruggs. And I do, th- I do have concerns long-term about the hamstring on KJ Hamler because that did flare up multiple times this year. I want to, and of course it was an issue at the combine as well. That's actually, that's the primary reason why I'm probably going with Henry Ruggs, but KJ Hamler certainly shown a spark. 
Yeah, certainly has. You know what? Just uh, get, give me KJ right now. It's crazy to say, but uh, it, it's pretty exciting that the Broncos' second-round pick is playing uh, as well mm. as the first wide receiver drafted. Yep. Onion, Next. onion, booty. Bronco has two comments. First, he says, it was nice to see Horse Rooster Lock show up on Sunday. More Horse Rooster, please. <laughs> there we go, Horse Rooster. <laughs> and then... I'd love to give the lock rip and duo a fair chance, but I had to throw a hat into the hedge Olympics. I would nominate Jacoby Brissett as tribute. It's my understanding that Jacoby Berger is in the final year of his contract. What say you guys? Yeah, this was actually someone we talked about yesterday. So I think it's a great name to bring up again, onion booty and man, he would be really an ultimate hedge. I mean, you're, you're not bringing him in to be the guy with zero chance of competing, but also he could accept a role as a backup. So, I mean, th this would be about as good of a hedge with committing to Locke without fully committing to him, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and where he was in his year as a starter, 20, the 2019 season, uh, the 2017 season, kind of a throwaway, he was thrust in the lineup. 2019, uh, you, you look at, at how he did, He's not somebody who's dynamic, he, he, but what is interesting, only six picks. This is somebody who is kind of a, a ball security, is job security type of passer here. So 61% completion percentage, uh, not somebody who was pushing the ball down the field as effectively and as much as you would have liked. And I think it's one reason why the Colts were kind of stuck in neutral through much of that 2019 season. But he's, he's intriguing. The question, I mean, really, the whole thing is, do you want somebody who can provide competition or do you want somebody who's good enough to step in but can be more of a mentor? And I think, you know, that's – Jacoby Brissett would kind of go into the Jameis Winston, Sam Darnold, uh, Mitchell Trubisky pile compared with the Tyrod Taylor, Colt McCoy, Ryan Fitzpatrick pile. And I think – Drew Locke, the next three games, is playing to determine where the Broncos might get that guy from. And if he plays well, I think it is from the, I think it is from the McCoy, Fitz, Taylor drawer. If he backslides a bit, if he has consistency issues, yeah, somebody like Brissett could be somebody, could be someone you're talking about uh, being the guy they bring in. I honestly think that, that Jacoby Brissett's kind of right in between those two groups where – you bring him in, not expecting a high ceiling, but but also you say, okay, well, he is on the younger side, so maybe there is something there. But, man, I mean, in terms of stats for your backup, he's exactly what you want. When he was a full-time starter in 2019, 61% completion, 18 touchdowns, 6 picks, 88 passer rating, 54 QBR. You'll take that. And if Drew Locke plays the way he did for the majority of this season, that will really raise questions about, uh, you know, especially after a one and four start, should we put Jacoby Brissett in? Yeah, that's very, that's very average. A little bit on the lower side of average, but uh, very, very mid tier among yeah. starting quarterbacks. Yeah. But like you said, man, a coaching staff could turn to him saying you throw three touchdowns to one interception. Uh, the guy we have right now is at one touchdown to one interception. Correct. They could, they could view it like that. Next one coming in from TK Freeze. My boys, I haven't commented in a while, but I will try to make this fast, which you did not do. <laughs> you, you asked who would take on Carson Wentz's contract. The name of the team, speaking of Jacoby Brissett, the Indianapolis Colts. 
with Frank Wright having the most success with Wentz under him in Philly and Philip Rivers' wife forcing him to retire soon to take care of his 46 kids. It seems like the perfect match. Sorry, not Broncos. Just my thoughts on the situation. Game of the year last night. Ravens versus Browns made me have two main thoughts. One, what things can Baker do that Locke can't physically as a quarterback? It just seems like to me, uh, it just seems to me like not much, but Baker with good coaching and time to learn has progressed immensely. I love watching him hurry up and hike the ball and force the Ravens to call a timeout instead of getting 12 men on the field penalty. Incredible growth from Baker. I think Locke can do something similar. All right, let's stop really quick there, Mace. Um, physically, no, Baker can't do anything that, that Drew Locke can't do. Drew Locke has all the physical talents, and man, in terms of intangibles, I love his intangibles as well. So it's not that. What Baker can do, Mace, and that Baker could do in college, and he could do as a rookie, and he could do last year, and he can do this year, so he can read an entire defense. And, I mean, he scans the field uh, pretty much as well as any of them. His decision-making has been hit or miss, but he can scan the field. He's always been comfortable with that. And that's something that we want to continue to see Drew Locke get better at. Yeah, and he scans the field. Uh, you can ro- throw the entire playbook at him. And, oh, by the way, uh, he's avoiding the big mistake. He had that one pick last night, the one he wants back. But that's where, you know, with Drew Locke, I always say step back and look at the wider sample size. Same thing with Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield has just one pick in his last six games. That's the only one. So, it, and based on the way he rebounded after that pick, that looks to me like that was just the aberration, not a sign of where, of where Baker Mayfield is going. And the thing with Baker Mayfield as well is that you, you look at the arc of his career, and he's had two good seasons for a young quarterback here now, his rookie year and this year. And then last year took that step back, nearly as many interceptions as touchdowns, completion percentage dropped below that 60% threshold. And more and more, I think it's fair to say that was a function of Freddie Kitchens and all the dysfunction that was around there. Because what we've seen from Baker Mayfield in 2018 and 2020, he is good enough to get the Cleveland Browns where they want to go. Uh, last night, I think if they'd gotten that win, it could have microwaved it a, uh, their progress a bit. But I also don't think you can put that loss on Baker Mayfield. I think that loss is on what is right now a pretty hapless defense yeah i mean what they end up giving up 47 points after giving up 35 to the titans 25 to the to the jaguars i mean they had that little run there against the raiders on that day with 35 mile an hour wins against the texans another bad weather game and against the the eagles they had that run where they gave up 16 7 7 and 17 points but most of their season zach you're looking at how much they're giving up on the scoreboard and they're giving up 30 they're giving up 30 plus routinely and a lot of games they're get, they're giving up uh, close to or right around 400 yards it's a defense that uh, needs some work they've got some talent but they need some work yeah yeah it's it's a really good point and he goes on and says too watching those two running backs Nick Chubb uh, and Kareem Hunt help Baker is so much what I wanted in Phillip and Gordon I've come around to something that may get hate but I want a running back in the second or third this year a guy like Nick Chubb and Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor in round two, I want that. I love Phil, but I want that bruiser with bursts like Royce was supposed to be. Phil, Keep Phil, of course, but I think that position can be upgraded without paying $8 million a year, and I just don't see Melvin getting a second contract from us. Sorry for the long one. You guys are the best. 
thanks, y'all. Well, if the Broncos go do that or go that route, like you're saying, where they don't give Melvin Gordon a second contract and they do sign Phil up uh, in, in a couple of years, I think you're going running back second or third round in the 2022 draft, not the 2021 draft, because Melvin will be here next year. Yeah, if they did decide to get a little, you know, in the parlance of my friend Ryan Edwards, they decide, if they decide to feel a little froggy and, uh, and go for a running back in this draft on day two, the guy I really like is Javante Williams out of North Carolina. And he's somebody, uh, he's, you know, 5'10", 220. I mean, he's, he's built. He can get you those power yards, but he's also explosive. He's averaging 7.3 yards a carry this year. The one thing you might say is, yeah, of course, he's going up against defenses that are tailored to, uh, to, to stop Sam Howell in that passing game. And that is true, but he's capitalizing on his opportunities. And Javante Williams can really get the tough yards for you. And by the way, uh, maybe this is a little bit of recency bias, but uh, I've, I've watched him all year, but he was absolutely off the chain Saturday against Miami. Had, had, had a career game, over 10 yards of carry, sliced and diced the Hurricanes. I, as big a reason as Sam Darnold as to why Carolina absolutely throttled Miami 62-26 down there in South Florida. So that if he's there in round three, maybe you think about him. Man, Mace, yeah, I think North Carolina is now your new Wisconsin, at least for this year and next. They got some talent, man. They, <laughs> they, they, they got a lot of talent out there. I mean, that being said, I do not think the Broncos will be bad enough next year to be in the Sam Howell sweepstakes, but uh, still like him long term. Yeah, yeah, man. Next one coming in from Broncos only. It really did seem like Drew was working through his progressions on Sunday against Carolina. He may have the heart of a horse, but he has the patience of a crocodile. Drew Locke has croc clock. Wow. Had to make sure I said that one very slowly. <laughs> well, he, he had patience. The, 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 the thing is, though, sometimes when you're being patient, like if you're talking about waiting for that deep shot, that, that guy is kind of your primary. So you're waiting, but it's not necessarily getting to the second to the second or third read. And there were still a lot of plays where it was all about getting Drew Locke outside. And I think the thing is, it, you, get, you want him to go through his progressions, but you also want to get to, to where he sees the entire field. And there's still, there's still a heavy emphasis on getting him outside the pocket and narrowing that range to one side or the other. That's something that he needs to grow in. Yeah, ex exactly. I, I agree with that. Next one from Garrett Bowles. I want to apologize to all of Broncos country for my absence on Sunday. That pizza on Saturday night got me good. Anyway, I want to talk about my boy, Juwan James. Most of Broncos country seems to write James off as someone who is not going to be here in 2022, but I still think he can be something here in Denver. His contract as of now is bad, but he's still a Pro Bowl caliber tackle when healthy. I believe he can make his money back in a bounce back year like next year, like Callahan did. A full season off could get his body right to the point his injury issues can be less of a concern. Also, Drew needs to keep rocking the tight arm sleeve. He showed he rocked it at Mizzou and has already had success with it in the NFL. Keep it, Drew. Yeah, I mean, Drew looked good in it. And then also Jerry Judy against the Chiefs, man. He had the swag game on. I know he was mad after the game, but, man, for his conditioning session on Sunday Night Football against the Chiefs, he was looking good. <laughs> and the Juwan James thing. I mean, look, if he plays well and stays healthy, I'm pretty sure the Broncos are going to run it back with James in 2022 because it's six million dead money, eight million is savings. So it's it's not something huge, but uh, in the back of your mind, you've you've got his 
predilection for injuries sitting there. Jawan James is going to be the right tackle in 2021 if he's healthy. I think there's no question. But realistically, you probably are looking to cut losses. And maybe, Zach, maybe if he plays well in 2021, maybe if you've developed another right tackle that you're comfortable with, alluding to our earlier conversation, maybe you're thinking about trade. Yeah. Trade while the value's high. Uh-huh. Yep, yep. That would make a lot of sense, especially just knowing his injury history. Mace, did he play in 64 snaps last year? Am I getting that number right? I believe so. You want me to get the get the exact figure for you here? Hang on. It, well, sure, you, you can, but I think it was like 64 snaps. So what that means, a typical game has anywhere from, you know, 55 to potentially 75 offensive snaps. So Juwan James – will have essentially played in one game in two full seasons. So, of course, the conversation is if he plays well next year and is back of them, what do you do? That's, that's you know, I understand that's why, why you say it like that. But, Mace, it is crazy to think that the Broncos' uh, high-paid right tackle next year will have played in one game in the past two years. Yeah, it's stunning. I mean, basically, uh, you, you got the glimpses of him, and it's, you know, I've said it before, I'll say it again. It wasn't a coincidence that, that the offense play had its best half in that brief moment when Jawan James was out there uh, against the Houston Texans. It, it, it flowed smoothly. I mean, there was, uh, there was something to that. And, of course, uh, at this moment, for some reason, Pro Football Focus decided to kick me off before I could get the snap count, so I don't have in front of you, but I, I believe it was right around 64. Yeah, 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 and just just wild. Next one from Mark IT Snatch. Hey, guys, for once, the team holds up Brandon McManus rather than the other way around. It was good to finally see a glimpse of what this team can do when all phases start clicking. Two, Zach, for your tweet about healthy cornerbacks on the team, what can the team do, and what would you guys like to see happen? Does Kareem Jackson move into a corner role while Will Parks takes a spot at safety? Do the Broncos sign Prince of Mukamara? There he is again off Arizona's practice squad or do Vic and Ed manage to Frankenstein a secondary together like Johnny Cash's one piece at a time three for Mr. B four or four three for Mr. B and Iceman of course Iceman we're thinking about you every day and lastly four does it bug anyone else that Drew Locke doesn't throw a spiral it seems like more often than not he's throwing ducks at laser speed laser ducks might be something out of a Dr. Evil bot. Is it worth the concern or am I nitpicking? Mm, it's worth a little bit of a concern because if you don't throw a tight spiral on foul weather days, particularly with the wind, uh, your, your pass is more likely to get caught up in it and sail a little bit. I remember uh, Dan Fouts uh, made this comparison for the famous freezer bowl game between the Chargers and Bengals when it was it was seven below zero and the wing shield was minus 59. And he said, you know, Ken Anderson, Bengals quarterback through tighter spirals. And so his balls could cut through the wind better than the ones that Fouts threw that kind of just kind of fluttered up and died and got picked off. So that's, that's, that is the one thing where you say, all right, I wish you threw a little bit of a tighter spiral because it's going to affect you on those foul weather days. Mm, that, that's a, that's a good point. And now Mace, what do you do at cornerback? Um, you know, I think at this point, you just got to work with what you have. The Broncos are bringing in Nate Hairston 
Uh, they signed him off the Baltimore Ravens practice squad last right. week. He gets in the building or can, can get in the building tomorrow on Wednesday. So you'll have him. You sign the guy off San Francisco's practice squad, but since you have a Saturday game, you he wait won't be out. able to play until the final two games of the season. So you can't bring anyone in. Uh, and so you just have to make do with what you have. I would not move Kareem Jackson. In fact, I think you just continue to play Will Parks at nickel uh, and just hope that no one else gets injured. Yeah, Parks at nickel worked reasonably well. And I think you're evaluating OJ Mudia and Devontae Bosby. I mean, I think you're figuring out uh, what place they're going to have in that cornerback room next year. Uh, you're, look, you're, fa- you're already facing a scenario where if you bring A.J. Boye back, you're going to play without him for the first two games. So you need to get a look at, a look at this depth. You need to figure out if cornerback is a position you're going to be targeting in the first round or if you're going to be maybe going in another direction. I mean, if, if, if O.J. Moody plays well, if Devontae Boss makes a good acquittal of himself, then you say, all right, we got Bryce Callahan coming back. We may or may not have A.J. Boye, but we feel comfortable about what we have. So I think totally uh, you, you stick with the status quo for this game. I, I totally agree. Next one from Orange and Blue Ozzy. A hedge for Drew that no one is bringing up? Gardner Minshew. He's in contract for two more years, but with Justin Fields or Trevor coming in next year as likely the day one starter, does he really have value to them? Day three pick might get it done. His salary is cheap, $1 million per year. They have Glennon and Luton for backup roles, or Lutton for backup roles. Thoughts? Now to find the limit to RK's Trevor Lawrence trade. Jets GM call says he wants four firsts Six other day two picks, Chubb, Sutton, Lindsay, and Locke. Can you say no to this? I think uh, Ryan would take it. <laughs> wow. Even, I, I love Trevor Lawrence. He's generational. But you're talking about napalming three years of day one and day two picks. Yeah. Yeah. You're, and oh. anyone on your team that has a future, that would be probably too much. Yeah, I'd say, hey. <laughs> do you like this Broncos roster right now? Because this is what you're going to have for the next few years here. Cause you're not going to be able to bring a lot of guys in. Yeah. That would be something else. Wow. That, that That being said, you know what? I'd like to see maybe, uh, maybe Chubb taken off that list. Okay. But, uh, I could believe it or not, based on where the team stands, I could kind of, I could almost live with that knowing that, a lot of the building of this team realistically has been done. Now injuries really blew it up, but a lot of the building of this team has already taken place. Yeah, it's, it's true. And you know what? I'm changing my mind. You have to have a quarterback in this league. So give it to me. Yeah. <laughs> Mace, what do you think of Gardner Minshew? That's a very fascinating name. And I think a great point. I think he'd be a, he, he'd definitely be worth a look. Uh, the, the price would have to be right. I'll look, I'll say this. I would rather have Gardner Minshew than Sam Darnold. Yeah, me too. And some of that, it, you know, and yeah, I know Minshew doesn't have the ideal, you know, size, doesn't have the ideal arm, all of that. But uh, it's like a, in, in the film version of Moneyball, Billy Bean talking, you know, when, when his scouts throw a guy who's got all the tools but hasn't put it together and tells them, if he's a good hitter, why doesn't he hit good? Well, if Sam Darnold is a good quarterback, yeah, there have been other things. But why hasn't it come together? At least Minshew has shown that he's got some of that it factor out there. Yeah, he I, has I, that. I, but I just think the Broncos, if they had the choice between Darnold and Minshew, would take Darnold because Darnold was better on their initial evals going into the draft processes. Oh, I think they'd do that in a heartbeat, Mace. I'm right there with you. 
Gardner Minshew has been really good this year. I mean, for a guy that's been, you know, benched and hasn't been able to play, has been really good this year. He would be a guy that would certainly push Drew Locke. Uh, 65% completion, 250 yards per game, 14 touchdowns, five interceptions, and near three to one touchdown to interception ratio. That has not been on him why the Jacksonville Jaguars were one in six in his starts. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 only, the number that does not flatter him is QBR. Was it 54? Yeah, and last year was 47.2. Mm, yeah, that doesn't. That doesn't. That, that, but, you know, the numbers that do flatter Gardner makes you from his rookie season are touchdown interception, 21 to 6. Uh, passer rating, 91.2. That's right there, league, league average for uh, 2019. Maybe, I think, a little bit above, actually. And uh, for the QB wins crowd, they went 6-6 six and six with him starting in 2019. Hmm. for the Jaguars okay. it's pretty impressive yes it really really is and Mace I'm just getting some some word hot off the press here we have our WGT tournament coming in this weekend it is Santa's workshop open at Kiowa Island hey. is what we're doing this week yes Kiowa Island a, a fan of or Mace's uh, is familiar with that. So make sure to get in on WGT to play the WGT tournament this weekend. From Friday to Sunday, we'll be hosting Santa's Workshop Open at Kiowa Island. The news actually has not broken yet, so shh, keep that all to yourselves right here. But what you do, go to dnvrgolf.com to download WGT Golf. It's free to do, free to join, and then go to the Country Club section, search and join our DNVR for Country Club. Get in there. It's free to play. Play the closest to the whole challenge at Kiowa Island, the Santa's Workshop Open, to get in. Send us a screenshot of your final results at DN, to info at thednvr.com or at dnvr underscore sports to enter in for a prize. And you don't have to be the best. You just have to play to get your prize. So make sure to go to dnvrgolf.com to download WGT Golf. A little bit of the shh Calvin Anderson thing there. But, yeah, check out that ocean course. It's a, it's a Pete Dye design, and uh, they've got a very faithful replication of it on WGT. I think you'll have a lot of fun playing it. You also always want to play with clean teeth. That's where our friends at Green Mountain Dental come in. Of course, we have several, we've had several DMVR listeners switch over to Green Mountain Dental over the years and make them their permanent family dentist. They reach out and let us know how great their experience was, and they thank us for leading them to such a wonderful practice nothing more rewarding for us than hearing that from our listeners so if you've made the switch please tell us about it if you don't know green mountain dental group is in lakewood they're the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area and they're extreme colorado sports fans just like the rest of us our sales director Lindsay, just had her wisdom tooth to teeth removed at green mountain dental group said it was literally the best dental experience of her life if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam today you'll receive a free sonicare toothbrush i've got one of those at home swear by it i can't recommend the sonicare often enough that is not just a a, a, a cheap ball game windbreaker giveaway this is something that will really help you out it'll help promote good brushing habits for you green mountain dental they'll treat you like family birthday cards reminders uh, you know re reminders of appointments etc you're only 15 minutes from downtown denver they show us love, show them some love, and they always want you to know that the first step to good health is by taking care of your mouth. So get a cleaning, x-ray, and exam at Green Mountain Dental. Get that free Sonicare toothbrush today.
Mace, more people coming in for love with Drew's arm sleeve. Manning's forehead is the next one. Since 2018, Drew Locke has played 10 games and thrown 17 touchdowns to six interceptions with three rushing touchdowns, 2.83 touchdowns per pick while wearing a single arm sleeve. With a long sleeve shirt, he has played 17 games and thrown 25 touchdowns to 18 interceptions with five rushing touchdowns, 1.38 touchdowns per pick. Stayed up late to figure this out, I bet, and was hoping there was a strong relationship between good play and the single arm sleeve but nothing huge data is a little skewed for the long sleeve shirt from the tough start to this season but drew was also playing with an arm sleeve against number one bama number five georgia and number 15 kentucky any chance drew sticks with the arm sleeve to keep the mojo i mean just knowing how some professional athletes are they will certainly stick with things if the mojo is working so i wouldn't be surprised and hey saturday's a primetime game i would definitely wear the sleeve yeah, I'll say this, though. I mean, you mentioned some of those Mizzou games uh, with the long sleeve. That Kentucky one, ugh, that was the game where Mizzou did not even get a first down in the second half, ended up losing at the end. So ugh. maybe there's more there's mojo in the pros than college. Maybe, maybe it's also due for some regression to the mean when it comes to the long sleeve shirt. So, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe uh, it's not yeah. all about the sleeve. Uh, I know, I know, I know, I know. So, <laughs> and that's why he points out playing with the arm sleeve against Bama, Georgia, and Kentucky. I mean, that that Kentucky game was the Waterloo for Drew Locke. And uh, you know, if he works out as a pro quarterback, you can also say maybe the turning point for him. Race City Bronco. Hey guys, I've heard a lot of speculation about the bad pizza causing the illness to Fanton Bowls on Sunday, but you should know the norovirus, aka the stomach flu, is hitting the Charlotte area pretty hard right now. My wife is an EMT and they're seeing a lot of people in the ER with it. It's highly contagious and causes severe GI issues. Yeah, that's a good point. Of course, norovirus is something that we hear about on cruise ships from time to time having an outbreak before before the COVID era, the biggest thing you worry about on a cruise was norovirus. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. It's a good anyway, point. Ray City Bronco asks, what did you guys think of Mufi's performance? What I could tell, seemed like he was one of the O-line's best players Sunday. He was doing a good job getting to the second level and was ragdolling people when asked to pull. The only big mistake I saw him make was on the play, which ended up being called as roughing the passer penalty. However, I just don't see how he can break into the starting lineup next year with Glasgow's contract situation and Juwan James ahead of him. Glasgow has a $17 million cap hit in 2021. James is $19 million according to Spot Track. Well, Ray City Bronco, I bet you liked our discussion earlier in the pod where we detailed all of that. And uh, I have to also have to say that roughing the passer penalty on Brian Burns, man, that was a lucky break for the Broncos. That was a terrible call. Yeah, I mean, that, that straight up was a terrible call because I don't even think that was Brian Burns' fault, like you're saying. Yeah. But boy, did the Broncos luck out in some other spots where the Panthers just made boneheaded decisions. It seemed like, you know, we talk about some games where every break goes against the Broncos. Right. Every break Sunday went for the Broncos. Yeah, yeah. And we don't talk about those when, when they're for the Broncos. You just talk about them when they're against. <laughs> All right, we got to speed round this here because we got a press conference looming. Count Lockula. I seldom disagree with Zach by death protest about this. Orion, that one can't be a gunslinger in the current zeitgeist. Zach Jackson and Mayfield just showed us an epic shootout last night. Both with weird wielded their pistols with abandon. Both stamped their boots angrily. The key, I think, is that you just have to be good at it. No slop. Love the count. Yeah, the count, I totally understand where you're coming from. And I would honestly just call that good quarterback play, not even gunslinging. Mace, the, the most gunslinging quarterback this year in the NFL has been Russell Wilson, believe it or not. 36 touchdowns, 12 
picks, but here's the thing, and here's what I kind of mean about gunslinger. When I, when I say gunslinger, I'm talking about the Brett Favre. You know the guys that would throw 20 interceptions but back it up with 35 touchdowns back in the day? You don't see those anymore. There was only one quarterback that was on pace for 20 interceptions this year, Mace, and he has been benched. His name is Carson Wentz. He was on pace for 20 picks. He will not hit that because his team benched him. So I totally know where you're coming from, Count. It's, it, and we, we both agree. It's you know just good quarterback play. Exactly. Good point. Next one from Dan Burke. Hey, guys, what do you think about the Broncos taking another receiver in the draft this year? Sutton and Hamilton are in contract years, with Sutton also coming off an injury. Tim Patrick's also in a contract year, assuming they tender him. So I feel like the cupboard could get bare pretty soon. And given how long receivers can take to develop, it may be worth taking one in what looks like to be another good class of receiver talent. Could, they, could that be get you a day two talent on day three? I'm not saying they should take one in the first round, and I'm expecting a defensive heavy draft overall, but what do you think? You know, receivers are getting like running backs in terms of how it probably always behooves you to take a receiver every year at some point, even if it's late. You know, they didn't need Tyree Cleveland, but right. he's proven to be an interesting pick. You know, I think that's one of those situations where – because college football does such a great job of developing receivers and being able to project them to the next level that maybe it's something where you do think about kind of having that constant churn at the back end and keep developing guys and keep seeing where keep seeing where they go because you do have a greater chance of success and and really something to think about down the line is uh if it's relatively easy to find receivers are you thinking of just having that natural uh, four- to five-year churn on most of your quality receivers? It's something, I think, long-term that is maybe worth considering because while it can be difficult to find a good left tackle, very difficult to find a good quarterback, uh, can be very difficult to find a really effective safety. Wide receivers that are effective at the NFL – doesn't seem to be a problem finding those guys. And also, Mace, if you have a good quarterback, an elite quarterback, a top 10 quarterback, those make all of your wide receivers better. Uh, mm -hmm. So then you don't need two elite receivers. You, you, you can have two good receivers, and they look elite because a great quarterback plays. So you know what? I'm okay with drafting a receiver on day three. Mm -hmm. do, right. No, you do not have the luxury right now to go day two or day one. You just wait and see who falls, and if there's somebody that you really liked that – happens to be sitting there in round six you go ahead you go ahead and pick that guy and uh, that being said I mean as well as Drew Locke played on Sunday I do think that this was a game where the receivers helped make him look better than than otherwise you, a, a quarterback can make average receivers look better but sometimes good receiver play can make a, a, an average quarterback look better and I think some of the routes that uh that Jerry Judy ran and uh, the, the pure speed of KJ Hamler capitalizing on the Panthers committing their safety elsewhere and having busted coverages that these things help Drew Locke out. Yeah, I totally agree. Next one from Pick Tosser 66. Don't you just love how this is set up for Drew? I mentioned last week that we get to see him on the same field as two of the quarterbacks in the AFC West that he needs to be able to compete with in the last two games of the season. How, well, how about this weekend going up against the one guy that realistically could have and maybe should have been our franchise quarterback and has developed into the guy for his team and a guy who a lot of Broncos country is always going to compare Drew to. This game is juicy, fellas. With our cornerback situation, I think we are going to have to score some points to stay in this game. I agree. Let's go. 
Don't know if we could have picked three better games to end the season with. Also agree. And one more thing I wanted to get your thoughts on. If Drew is brought back as a starter going into next year, I'm torn between bringing in a true hedge and bringing back Brett Rippon as a true backup. I definitely like the thought of a hedge, but I also want to make sure we give Drew every chance to succeed if he's a starter. To me, the relationship he has with Rippon cannot be overlooked. Rippon is a smart quarterback that Drew trusts and listens to. It sounds like he is almost like another coach for Drew, and I can't help but think he could have another Elway Kubiak set up here. Obviously, Kubiak is a coach, and it's safe to say that that helped Elway like another coach during their playing days. I really don't think Drew would shy away from the competition of having a hedge quarterback here, and it might actually make him better, but I really like the relationship he and Rippon have. Plus, Rippon has shown he can come in and win a game for us in his first career start on the road. I, you can have that with Rippon as the number three. I, I don't think it's one or the other. I think yep. you can have Rippon as a third quarterback and you can uh, br- bring a hedge in that gives you a, a more viable chance if you have to go in another direction, if Drew doesn't take l- those next steps. I, I Actually, looking at the quarterbacks in that room right now, the one who has the best chance to return and be on the roster in 2021, it, beyond Drew Locke, of course, is Brett Rippon. Yeah. I think it be- better than Jeff Driscoll, better than Blake Bortles, and better than Kyle Shermer hanging out doing his grad studies wherever. <laughs> yes, I totally agree. And you hit it on the head uh, at Pig Tosser 66. And kind of what I tried to point out in my article, Brett Rippon means a ton to Drew Locke. He can be your number three, like May said, though. Yeah. And, and if they decide he can't even be that, well, the interesting thing is there is a guy on the Broncos staff who went from being a backup for a year, a third-teamer, to, to becoming a coach right away on the same team. And that's Mike Shula. He was the third-team quarterback for Tampa Bay in his rookie season of 1987. His college coach, Trey Perkins, who, who passed away last week, had taken the Bucks job and brought Mike Shula with him. And then Shula immediately made the transition from third-teamer as a rookie to coach by the 1988 season, and that started a career that is now – you know, three decades and counting. Yeah, it's a really good point. The other Ryan chimes in. My boys, the Broncos have now returned four punts for touchdowns against the Panthers in six regular season games played between the teams. They almost had another in Super Bowl 50, but Jordan Norwood, who wore jersey 11, Deontay Spencer and Trendon Holiday both returned punts for touchdowns at Carolina wearing that number. In 97, Darian Gordon took two punts to the house for the Broncos against the Panthers at Old Mile High Stadium, a game in which Vic Fangio was Carolina's defensive coordinator. Whether or not we want to admit it, Denver special teams have been significantly better the past four weeks, less the anomaly of Brandon McManus missing two PATs on Sunday. Tom McMahon has finally showed why he was well-regarded special teams coach prior to landing with the Broncos. If the special teams continue or continues its marked improvement over the final three games do you think that mcmahon returns in 2021 have a terrific tuesday dnv army salute i'd have him return but i like tom mcmahon i, I like tom dude. as well and i yeah. think i think the broncos are giving every benefit of the doubt to everyone so if this continues mace i think they're gonna say boy let's just stick with continuity for for one more year so I'll, you know, for Tom's sake, I'll be rooting for good special teams play over the next few games, but certainly their faith in Deontay Spencer uh, was rewarded richly on Sunday. And uh, I think uh, it could be the start of some big things for him, but they're better. They're, they're doing better all around Sam Martin, you know, except for the, the Brandon McManus kicking, but you know what? That's really on McManus more than the special teams at large. Sam Martin is doing well punting. The coverage is better. They're, they're not having as many mistakes. It's, it's been promising all around. Right now, Zach, 
my instinct would be to run it back with with Midge in 2021, as they call him. That's his nickname around there is Midge. And if if he's performing well and, and ends the season strong, and it's not just going to be a couple games, it's going to be many, many games, uh, it's going to be hard to, to convince people that it's – or it's not going to be hard to convince people, but uh, you're going to have enough on your side to do that. Bronk Oilers. I know a lot of these comparisons are pointless, but I actually see a lot of Baker Mayfield in the way I presume Drew Locke's career has gone so far. He steps in during his rookie season, very productive, gives the team a huge boost with his confidence and gives the franchise a lot of optimism going into the sophomore season. Then in year two, the team brings in a bunch of weapons and with the expectation of taking a massive jump in year two, they ask him to be the plane, not the pilot, and it proves to be too much to handle and causes a major statistical and on-field regression. Then in year three, they remember he's still a young quarterback, so they lean on the run game, play action, simplified reads, and playing the role of the pilot, which results in efficient play. His moxie returning and the development of the QB was drafted to be. Thoughts? Yeah, I like it. I mean, then that, that certainly could happen. Now, the, the thing with Baker is, he had a uh, offensive coordinator change every single year. So you just don't think that's going to be the case. Don't really want that to be the case for Drew this year or next year. Yeah. Offensive coordinator change. And uh, in, in particular this year, some significant schematic changes. The other thing that Baker Mayfield has that Drew Locke is struggling with Baker Mayfield can see the whole, can see and read the whole field. And that was something that was evident even as a rookie. And that's something that Drew Locke is still working his way through. Last one coming in from Sonny Rain. RK said that the hate for Drew Locke continues regardless of how well he performs. As a Locke detractor, I want to assure RK that all haters aren't idiots. Why hate on a guy who can be all you've been needing? If we can get that guy most games, I'll be happy to eat crow. Heck yes. Make me a fan, Drew. And I think that's a great point. You know, I'm not about hating the people that have hated Drew and saying, where are you? Well, you know what? The fact is Drew didn't play well for, for a long time. So if you're skeptical of him uh, and you're a so-called hater, I understand why, why you thought like that. Now, Drew plays well? Absolutely. I, I, I don't think anyone should be, uh, you know, shamed into saying or to, to believing like, ah, oh, you can't like him now since you never liked him. The best thing for the Broncos is for everyone to like Drew Locke because he plays so well that he is their unquestioned quarterback. You know what? I really hate this binary environment that we're in that if you offer criticism of a player that you're considered a hater (laughs) right that if you that a criticism that reflects what we're seeing on the field right like just because you do that doesn't mean you're a hater right and that's that that's one thing that i i wish that uh, we as a society would get beyond is the notion that uh anything negative that is said immediately makes you a hater i i I really (laughs) I really despise that, but that's just me being on my soapbox here. (laughs) Well, Mace, one place there's no haters is MSU Denver Online. Guys, we're almost a month away from the spring semester starting, so now is the time to check out everything that MSU Denver Online is offering because it is coming up soon, and, man, there's no better way to enter this next phase of our life than with an education and certainly doing it online is the way to go. So make sure to check out MSU Denver online. They put a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. And we have people at the DNVR that have taken classes and say they do a great job bringing the real world into the classroom and building the schedule around you. So check them out at MSU Denver. 
edu slash online. Well, Mace, that'll do it for us today. Thank you all so much for rolling with us. I really, really appreciate it. We've got a fun Saturday game coming up, and I can't wait to break the matchup down starting tomorrow. We look forward to it. Thank you guys again so much for rolling with us. For Mace, I'm Zach Stevens. Have a fantastic Tuesday.